1: Welcome in to the Autzen Audible's podcast. I'm Matt Premier, Skolpo, on the show today. Video only because, quite frankly, we're working in a hotel room where it's not set up for video. We don't think the band we be able to hold, uh, uploading the videos, so. Well, the real reason is we don't look good. Yeah, the reason is we don't look good. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're here at the Resorts World Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas. We just wrapped up Pac-12 Media Day. Uh, as of this recording, on this Friday afternoon, there's technically seven more minutes left mm. of Pac-12 Media Day. So, I guess our, we left work a little early on a Friday. Um, I don't think that's too bad. No. But Oregon is done. They they spoke 1-30 uh, like 30 to two ten or so. Uh, they they got out of, out of Dodge. They've already left town. They're on the uh, private jet. Lucky them. Dan Lanning, Jeffrey Bossa, and also starting quarterback Bo Nix. Uh, Jeffrey Bossa is starting linebacker. Don't want to single him out. Um, let's start first with we haven't spoke since the um, preseason media poll came out. Mm-hmm. Oregon is fourth. Yeah. Uh, Washington USC is one. Washington two. USC or Utah three. Oregon four. Oregon State five. UCLA six. Um, I don't think we need to go into the second half of that. No. But surprised at all that Oregon is fourth in the conference. They did get one vote for first place. First place. That was not me. I voted USC. Um, I'm curious who voted Oregon. But your thoughts on just the overall... Yeah, I
0: think a couple things stand out. I I mean, I don't have the vote totals in front of me, but Oregon State was also quite close to Oregon at Mm -hmm. five, which I thought was surprising. Um, Not that I don't respect the Beavers. They beat Oregon heads up last year. They finished, I think, with the same conference record, um, I believe. I might be wrong on that. Um, So, like, clearly a program that's on the rise. But I I think one that also had quite a bit of turnover. And I'll be kind of curious to see how they go about replenishing their roster right. um, not to I mean I think the Beavers are you know, this isn't a Beaver podcast here but it's been impressive the way that Jonathan Smith has built this program but I, I genuinely think that Dan Landing and Oregon have a little bit more firepower in terms of how they go out and, and replenish their roster so I would be surprised and obviously Oregon is ahead of them I, I guess I was a little surprised Oregon was fourth you know, I know, I, you know and we were talking about this earlier like they were pretty darn close to beating Winning. Washington and Oregon State and being in that conference championship game, and, and they just beaten Utah at home with Bo Nix on on, at a bad wheel. So if that was a repeat in the championship game, um, it'd be interesting to see how that would have gone and how that would have changed things. But I, I, I think my takeaway is similar to the one I had on the, the all-conference preseason teams, where, again, Oregon wasn't very well represented, which is, it seems a little bit harsh now, but I understand the logic based upon last year. And I would be really surprised, again, just like I said about the all-conference team, um, if Oregon does finish fourth. I think they're going to finish better than that. I predicted they'll win the conference. Yep. Um, I, 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 think they're, I think they're better than a fourth-place team, but I also know the conference is a lot better than it's been in past years. And if you finish fourth, you might be finishing fourth with six or seven wins in a really competitive league. So, um, But, yeah, I, I guess I'm marginally surprised. I, I, I think Washington in, in particular is the team that, Another two spots ahead of Oregon. That was just kind of like I don't know if I am quite there yet, but we'll see. Maybe maybe I'll be proven totally wrong and, and they'll end up finishing right there, and it'll be USC Washington for the conference championship in Vegas here in what six months or so.
1: Yeah, I, I had USC winning the league, but I had um, Oregon playing in the championship game And the Pac-12. Uh, I guess pull that Brandon Marcello twenty-four-seven sports. Who's out here, by the way, at Vegas. Great guy. Uh, Good to see Brandon. Um, He had us do some voting. And I said in that with uh, Oregon would beat USC at home, but in typical Pac-12 fashion, the Trojans would would nullify a playoff chance by upsetting Mm. the Ducks in Vegas. So I think you and I are kind of along the same lines of at least Oregon getting to the championship game. Yeah. Um, you have them winning the conference. I have them losing in the championship game. But like you said, like there's Washington is it's interesting because they did beat Oregon. You have to give them credit for it. But you know some circumstances had to play out for that game to fall that way. Right. Primarily, Bo Nix getting hurt. Which and hey, look, in and Washington uh, made some great plays on the stretch. Very, we have, very we true. have to make that play. very true. And injuries are part of the you know injuries are part of football. It's going to happen. And I, but I think you could also argue that if Bo Nix isn't hurt against Oregon State. They probably win that football game as well, um, and Oregon's in the Pacto championship game, and you know. This poll's a lot different. Yeah, the poll's a lot different. So I, I, I think if anything, this shows just how I think good the league is going to be. Yeah. Is that you've got four teams that it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility for any four of them to win the league.
0: I was just going to ask you because I think that was what one thing I point I wanted to make. You, how many years have you voted on this? It's been like a, seven or eight. This is probably the hardest the top four has ever been in mm-hmm. terms of differentiating, right? Pretty close. So I mean, I think that's part you have to put into like it's not, it's not their fourth place in the in the poll, but it's also a league that has like four
1: potential I don't know college football playoff well, hyperbolic, and, but four really good teams. And even like, I think those four teams that we've talked about, they're all better than Oregon State. But Oregon mm-hmm. State's a ten win team from last season, mm-hmm. and they they bring back some guys. They've Added some guys via the portal. We think they upgraded at quarterback. Yeah. And we haven't even talked about UCLA yet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they've done the same thing. They've added some guys. They bring a lot of guys back. And, you know, they could, you know, while they have bigger holes to fill, DTR being gone and um, Mike Boba at receiver being gone and and whatnot, you know, the league is really good. And I, I think it's not out of the realm of possibility that, you know, a team that finishes fifth or sixth in the conference. Could, could have a couple wins over one of the four teams that we've been talking about for the, for the championship. Washington, USC, Oregon, and, and Utah. Like It wouldn't be a surprise to see Oregon State have wins over Washington and Utah this mm-hmm. coming season. Like That wouldn't be the biggest shock in the world. Um, so, again, I, I think the league's really good. It felt... Impactful to media today felt a little bit bigger than it has been in the past. I don't know if you looked around, Eric, just yeah. to see who was here from a media perspective. There were some heavy hitters. There were, you know, there there were people from ESPN. There were people from uh, the Athletic. There were people from twenty four seven Sports. The um, big dogs. The, the big dogs there. Yes. Um. There there were and, you know, I think I saw someone from CBS. We saw Go someone ahead. from Sports Illustrated. Sure. You know, and that hasn't been the case every year um typically we'll see like one or two big media outlets but all of them were pretty much present at las vegas for the media event and probably for the interview that started at 8 a.m which yep. was george klavkov and that's where we should transition here Agreed. agree um interesting things were said by mr klavkov uh he definitely, I think, put himself in a corner a, a couple times. The very end of his press conference, when he said that, you know, today's focus was about football and that they didn't purposely announce any kind of a media deal. I'm paraphrasing here um, today because they wanted that focus to be on the players, the stories that they have within the conference. And I, he did use the words "on purpose," which which is very intentional. Yes, which. Led to everyone in the room, you, me included. Uh, wait, you didn't release the news on purpose. That means, like, is it it's done? Is it done? Yeah. Here we go. And James Crepe of the Oregonian asked the follow-up question that everyone in the room was like, oh, whoa, what's going on here? Uh, and that's where he kind of put himself in
0: the yeah, corner. Yeah, he did. And that's <laughs> – should I share the story about our weird in sure, <laughs> you uh, yeah. I, mean, like, I, I, I didn't think it – I mean, I thought George – just in general, like he's in a really tough spot to start, and I'll be very curious to see what this actually looks like, right? Because he spoke again today. We should note with a lot of confidence and a lot of optimism right. that this is going to be a, a good number. This is going to, I think, one of the things he said that was kind of interesting was that the longer this has played out, the better the offers have gotten for yep. this rights deal, which is interesting. Um, but I did think, you know, that, that comment he made about we purposely didn't release it was a tough spot, and followed by James kind of revealed like he didn't really. Kind of sidestepped it, tried right. to be like... I didn't really think he clarified or... or I, didn't, I guess I just didn't understand exactly what the answer was. Where he was going with it. Yeah, and, and uh, which led me to, to refer to him as a dipstick <laughs> as we walked on the escalator. <laughs> which is only funny to us, but then I turned around and noticed that uh, Mr. Kleopkov was right behind us. I don't think you heard us. Though. I don't think you heard me, but... Uh, 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 now maybe now he knows.
1: <laughs> well, I don't think he's going to listen to this podcast. So I, I think you're okay.
0: <laughs> hey, don't don't diminish our,
1: our, our listenership, Matt. <laughs> maybe maybe George is a big, big uh, Otzenobles fan. Uh, maybe maybe possibly, um, but it was nonetheless interesting, and there that got a lot of people talking. Um, do we see a, a, a decision made, relatively soon. soon. Do we see something play out? And it was interesting that he he brought up the point that. The longer they've waited has allowed them to have a better deal presented on the table. Um, Almost like... Do you believe that? It's it's kind of hard to know what that means. Yeah, I'm not sure. Partly yes, because when the conference first saw USC and UCLA announce that they were leaving, they had no leverage. No, yeah. And all these other schools kind of came, you know, all these other um, TV deals that are being presented to them, they had no ability to, like, leverage it. And, you know, I bet you they were getting 10 cents on the dollar, you know, from these networks. Well, you don't have USC, UCLA. You, you you don't have stability. So if you want to lock in something, here's what we're going to, you know, give you, and we're not going to give you anything. And as the league has progressed, and really no one has defected from the conference, despite the Big 12's efforts to present a narrative that the conference is crumbling and it won't be here. And it may very well be true. That might be the outcome. But nothing has happened. And even today the Utah AD was on a panel and came out and was like, we have, you know, they are one of the most popular schools to reportedly be looking to leave or being pursued to leave by the Big 12. And he's like, we have no reason to leave. We're all in on the Pac-12. We believe where, we're go- where this conference is going. I think as this has played out, yeah, they've started to develop some leverage on the league side like hey like we've said like our stability is good we're you know nothing nothing, nothing else has happened so yeah you're going to have to start paying the real the real rate um but at the same time the messaging has been really poor well you, you've said it's coming it's coming it's coming for almost a year now and yeah. it's almost like the boy who cried wolf it's coming it's coming it's coming it better be an awesome deal that the Pac12 Really comes out ahead, or you're going to get laughed at.
0: Yeah, and the other part is, is how much does this deal really matter ultimately right. with college football expansion? Because is the number, you know, per represented school going to be, you know, comparable to what? The Big Ten can offer. Right. I think we. The reporting has been at least coming from George has been that I mean, we're going. It's going to be comparable to the Big 12's number, but that might not even be the target number that really matters, right? Like the target number that probably matters, assuming the Big Ten wants to expand and add schools like Oregon and Washington, maybe Stanford and, and Calors, But you know, those are the kind of the schools that have been mentioned at least in the last year. Like that's the number that matters, and that number. Based upon all the projections, is going to be much larger than whatever this number that comes out. And it does sound like something is kind of imminent. There's been kind of buzz around. We should say I'm not going to get into reporting on it, but like there's been buzz that like something's coming down the pike soon in terms of this deal getting finalized, which I think is encouraging and exciting. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what the numbers look like, and and, you know we'll we'll have some more reaction once that happens. But I I did think I mean Georgia has been very intentional to I think come from a position of power and a position of confidence which is kind of interesting considering it feels like at least from the outside looking in that there isn't it? yeah that, that you're kind of on a sinking ship so um you know is this is this are you on Titanic touting that this boat's never going down and then it goes down or or are you actually in a spot here where who knows maybe we're going to be surprised I hope that's the case and that you know we, we learn in the next week or two that like hey this is actually pretty exciting and encouraging and there's some longevity here that would be awesome I think but um, I, I really don't know what to believe, and I'm, I'm guessing most people out there are kind of feeling similarly skeptical.
1: He also said the league's going to continue to plant its flag in the Pac-12. Um, I think that's no surprise to anyone. In Las Vegas. It, yeah. What did I say? In, in, in Pac-12. Yeah, pac is going to plant its flag in the Pac-12. Which, yeah, I think yeah, it I mean, it's, <laughs> it's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> uh, in Vegas, which I don't think is a surprise to anybody. They've already got the Pac-12 championship game. They have the men's and women's uh, basketball tournaments here in Vegas. Uh, They have a bowl game here in Vegas, the Vegas Bowl. Uh, Basketball, USC and Oregon on the men's side. I think Stanford and somebody else on the women's side are opening up college basketball this year in Vegas. Um, We've seen... Multiple teams from the Pac-12 play a regular season game at Allegiant Stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the natural progression is it's played out fine in Scottsdale, Arizona, but move the baseball championship to Las Vegas, I would probably move the softball championship to Las Vegas. It should be the hub. Yeah. It, and the, he also brought up an interesting fact that it there hasn't been a lot of neutral site games played out west hmm. for yeah. he, didn't, he didn't specifically say what sport, but if you think about it, like the NCAA tournament was just here in Vegas for March Madness, I wouldn't be surprised if the league continues to try and get that out here for more often for both the men and the women. Now that the NCAA has opened the door for Vegas to host stuff, mm-hmm. um, but I wonder if we're going to see more of like what Oregon did against Georgia, and and right out here. but out here at Allegiant Stadium, I wonder if the league's trying to generate that type of a. Matchup for the conference for football, which they should 100% be doing.
0: Uh, there was an idea that was floated on a message board, and I don't have it pulled up in front of me, so shame on me. That this, maybe this person's listening that suggested, like, it would be great for, like, the second week in September to have, like, two of the Pac-12's marquee brands play games back-to-back at Allegiant.
1: Oh, I'm on board for that. I have thought the same I mean, thing. I think that's that. a great idea. Yes. I mean, you play, you play like, a Thursday night game at Allegiant Stadium, and then you play a Saturday game at Allegiant Stadium. Or you can Stadium. do a header. It's probably hard to do a header. On the surface, but yeah. Those yeah, if, it, if the surface was turf, then... Or is it turf? I can't remember. Man, we've been in a couple of times. We should know that. Yes, I know. Yeah. Uh, but I think you can get really creative, like, in maybe in November or something. Or not November, but around Pac-12 Championship game date, which is December 1st this year. Like, why are you not... Playing on like Thursday, Saturday, Sunday marquee non-conference basketball games mm. in Vegas, so that you know, like you you strategically look at it and say, okay, like Oregon, let's say is going to be a really good football team this season. We're probably going to have a good chance that Oregon gets to the to the college the the Pac twelve championship game. Let's not invite them for a, a non-conference game for basketball. So instead, let's bring Washington and Arizona and. Utah and right. – or, or, you know, Colorado or somebody Arizona. like that. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. you throw in, you know, a huge – two fit, huge fan bases from a basketball standpoint plus your Pac-12 championship game standpoint, and now you've created a hub. Like you said, Vegas Vegas is a hub. It's, it's going to be a hub. It's going to continue to be a hub. Um, <clears throat> no surprise there. Um, any other t- major takeaways that you could think of from – Well, the, the, the one thing – and,
0: again, I – my internet's kind of kooky here, so I'm I'm not able to pull up the full transcript. But, I haven't, but George reiterated a couple of times the order of operations for this was I think agree on media deal, sign oh, it, yeah. and then and then look to expansion because the, the question was brought up a couple times about like what's going on with San Diego State, and of course he didn't want to talk particulars. But I thought that was kind of I don't know if it was that notable, but it it sort of maybe made, I've got it for you. Yeah, go
1: ahead. The quote goes regarding potential expansion. While we have already done the due diligence. On expansion candidates many months ago and significantly narrowed our focus to a number of schools, our sequence remains unchanged. First, we conclude our media rights deals. Then our schools will sign our grant of rights, which has already been negotiated. And only then will we decide on potential expansion. I thought it was important that, A, he gave us like the steps that are there, right. <clears throat> but then he also admitted... He's like, I'm not talking specific specific schools here, but he's also basically admitted their focus is now only down to a, a small number of school, schools, right? Whether that's reportedly San Diego State or an SMU, or only one of those schools, or more, more, or right. do they even expand? Like, well, I, he wasn't very committed to like all in on
0: expansion. No, yeah, and I. You know, and my, my curiosity, I guess, is let's say this deal comes out, and let's say it's a, it's a it's a solid enough deal. Right. Do, do we see expansion follow pretty short and short order? I mean, I know San Diego State and the Mountain West have already you know communicated publicly that that's an agreed upon deal, but I don't think, unfortunately, I don't think a school's word means a lot right now. Yes, which is why you know everyone's clamoring about what's going on with the Pac-12. So, I'll be I'll just be curious to see once once we get to that first order where. They agreed upon the meteorites deal. It's signed by all the member schools. Do they look to expand it like in within the start of you know, like in the next month or two? Like, right. are, like do we hear to learn on that, or is this further down the road? I, I found that to be kind of interesting. That's probably the last thing on the playoff call yeah. that we had.
1: Let's take a quick break and we'll dive into some conversations we've had with Dan Lanning, Jeffrey Bossa, and Bo Nix. Explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. All right, welcome back to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Um, Halfway into the show now. We got some opportunities to mingle a little bit with, with Dan Lanning. We both ate lunch with him today. We had some conversations with Dan um, in front of a podium with also on TV. Apparently, we were on TV asking yeah, questions. Our, de- our debut TV debut, how did we do? I mean, I think we deserve NIL deals here. I mean, <laughs> I mean, uh, are we eligible? Are we el- oh, 100%. Yeah, we're, we, to be are, we should be paid. We should be paid. I mean, they... They the Pac-12 profited off our name, image, and likeness. Yeah, here. you know that and was
0: that really increased the viewership <laughs> when they when they turned to two shabbily dressed reporters <laughs> asking bad questions. Not bad questions; they were good questions. They were
1: good questions. Uh, Bo Nix, Jeffrey Bosa. Um, we found out Dan Lanning loves to quote quote books. He, I think he quoted if I count it correctly three, in about a ten or a fifteen minute interview with how do I describe this us in the media while also doing a simulcast interview with yeah Ashley hmm. Adamson and Yogi the Roth Format
0: was weird this year. I don't know. It was
1: different. And I'm curious if you're a listener and you watched the Pacto of networks show of, of, of media, Day, what were your thoughts on it? Because they, Ashley Adamson and Yogi Roth opened with like a question each and then they threw it to us in the, in the crowd to, ask the rest of the questions and all the while the cameras are following everybody and then like someone would ask a question to dan and it would get a good response i think someone was asking about bo and being a babysitter or something and that led to ashley absinth just popping immediately in right. with a follow-up question it was a, it was an interesting format
0: i i like i think i like the hypothesis i want to see it more yeah um, but yeah no i thought that that was interesting but yeah back to your point about the book sorry
1: but yeah, he gave us he gave us some quotes on the books. Uh his he didn't he was in he was in mid-season form. He's ready for the year to start because we asked a couple personnel scheme type questions and it was I'm not giving you all the secrets. I'm not divulging too much here. Uh, I'm not going to give individual shout-outs. It was always team collective unless I think there are certain players that that are qualify for dan to praise yes. bossa and nicks being two of those the people are here right
0: yeah. i because I, I i did think the i think we asked the first question we did and and i asked just about like why was bossa the choice and he gave a really thoughtful answer i thought about who jeff is and, and why he kind of embodies what they want from the student athlete who comes down to this i i talked to we should know we did talk to jeff for 20 minutes or so yeah in a, kind of a two-on-one interview setting which was fun it was good to get to know him he's a Really nice young man. I know people on this podcast think we don't like him because we talk about his PFF grade, which, by the way, did not true. did not come up. With. He's a great guy, and uh, 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 by the way, learning to cook. Yes, wants to get into fashion design uh, or into social work. So he's he's a man with a lot of different interests. He was he and Bo both I thought were maybe two of the better dressed guys at the thing this, today. Um, not my fashions, not my expertise, but that was my perspective. Um, but you know, I I think uh, I, I think there is a lot. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I think there was a lot that we took away from that conversation um, about specifically his room, which I thought was interesting, and I don't know if we want to jump into that, but both he and Dan sort of spoke about their vision um, for the linebacker position, which I think is pretty clearly different from the personnel they had last year, because they both talked about how they wanted to get faster, more agile, and better in coverage, and not to be too dismissive of some of the personnel last year, but like, those aren't the descriptors you would use to describe no. Noah Sewell, Justin Flo, or Jackson Leduc, who were three of your linebackers that played the most last year, um, along with Jeff Bassa and Keith Brown. So, And I, don't th- I think even Keith Brown is probably more like those first three than Jeff Bassa. So I, it was something we noticed and talked about during the offseason quite a bit, of just like, you look around, they moved Jamal Hill over, They uh, Devin Jackson fits that, uh, even Justin Jacobs and uh, Connor Sueli. I don't know if Sue- I, How do you pronounce it? Because Dan pronounced it... I was told properly, and I, I've now forgotten what he said. So whatever Dan said on the podium is the correct pronunciation of that name. So go. I wish we had the ability. Oh, I guess we. Could. You could try to play it, but I know that seems kind of yeah. dangerous for our podcast audio. But regardless, like the the point was that like you know those those players are particularly targeted because they are faster, they're more agile, and they're better in coverage. And actually, one of the things Bossa said that kind of stood out to me in the interview was that. Um, he was really impressed with that group from a pass rush perspective, which is, could be a really big benefit because that was not a strength last year. Yeah. Th-
1: what was it? Dan, like reference, like linebackers today can't be the old school Mike yeah. where you're really big and really slow. And you just basically plug two gaps, b to b gap. Um, yeah. they've got to be basically, it's almost like a hybrid of all the linebackers together. They got to be able to do everything right, inside yeah. and outside. Um, and I, I, it makes sense when you look at the body types of the players that you listed off. They're all basically. Like these are
0: things we had seen. Yes. It was nice to hear them confirmation them the of top. it. Yeah, yes. exactly.
1: And because you look at the body types and they are all the same. You look at the body types that Oregon's looking at from a recruiting standpoint. That's, yeah.
0: Kamarmuthudi I mean, fits perfectly with these type of guys.
1: Yes, and what was. We talked with Boss, I mean, he drops some interesting knowledge that he played last season at two twelve.
0: Yeah, and now he's at 2 two two thirty. Yeah, two twenty or two thirty, he said. So he's, he's bulked up 6'3", a lot. 230
1: right now. And you look at the linebackers that they've got, Kamar Muthudi, you just said it, six foot three, two hundred and twenty pounds yep. right now. Um Kingston Lopa is rated as a linebacker, but he's also he a potentially safety. a safety because yeah. he's 6'5", 190. I'd see him more like a Brian Addison. But then look at Dylan Williams, 6'2", two 210 pounds. I yeah. mean, he's on the little lighter side, but he's also just going into his senior year it, of
0: high school. If You just saw Jeff Bossa add 20 pounds of weight in mean, one offseason. There's off no reason season. he can't do that exactly.
1: over a couple, so. so that gives us some good insight of just kind of the position, what they're looking at, who they're looking at. And the body type and the, the skill set that they're looking for.
0: And it's very similar, by the way, to Georgia. Like, like, percent like, I think that was probably obvious coming in that that was what they wanted, but it's pretty clear on what they've actually
1: done that that's what they're yes. doing. Yes, 100%. Um, I, I thought it was interesting that, you know, I asked Dan about Bo and just kind of the, the potential legacy he could have. Because we, we were talking, like, what, what should we ask some of these guys because you know, we're going to talk to them. We're going to talk to Bo here in about 10 days when Oregon has their own media day. And, you know, we'll probably talk to Bo after the first day of football practice in, in fall camp, which will be three or four or five a week, a week after that. And then we'll probably talk to Bo again, you know, three weeks after that. And then one more time before the game starts.
0: And then every day before every game.
1: Yes. <laughs> so, like, we, we were trying to figure out questions of, like, what's – what 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 could we ask that's that's good that's going to generate interest and you know, I settled on kind of like the legacy of Bo Nix because had he been a one-year player at Oregon and just left up, you know, went pro after the last season, which he was in his own right to do and would have made a lot of sense to do that. Agreed. Um you know, he would have been looked at like a really good player, a really memorable player, but I don't think he would have ever been considered like a like Vernon Adams. Yes, he never would have been considered as one of like the better guys at the position, just because he's he was only here for one year. But now that he's here for two, I think that opens the door for him to have some discussion of Oregon legacy, you know, quarterbacks where he fits and, you know, like Dan definitely, uh, it's like highlighted. Yeah, Oregon's had a lot of guys, but you know, I've never been around those players, but. The the players I've been around, you know, he he said he was the best quarterback he's ever been around, and you know I I think Dan's been around some good quarterbacks whether it's at ASU uh, as uh, a GA or when he went to Memphis or when he spent some time at Alabama or when he spent his previous stop at, at Georgia. Stetson Bennett's not bad. Yeah, I mean that that's saying something, and I think if you know if that's going to hold true, like. Bo's probably going to have a chance to to position himself where he's going to be in the in that echelon of not the best, but one of the best quarterbacks, at least in the last 25, 30 years of Oregon football.
0: No one's catching Marcus, even if he wins a Heisman Trophy. He won't no. have the whole career there. And the, and just the way he, I guess, embodied the program and was kind of like, by the way, it was a slight digression. Netflix had that quarterbacks documentary I've talked right. about I actually asked Bo. Bo has watched it. He's a yes. fan of it. If you're listening, you should go check it out. It, he said it gave of,
1: great insight for people to realize what all goes into playing that position.
0: Yeah. And he had, yeah. But, but, but we sat and had lunch with him as well, and he shared some stuff. But, um, but yeah, you should go check that out. But, yeah, no, I would, it's just a point. Like, yeah, he's not going to get there. Um, That's a really strong season. He can surpass, you know, the Darren Thomases of the world, the Achilles Smiths, the Joey Harrington. I don't know if he can get
1: past Herbert.
0: No, I don't know. I don't think they're... But I think that... Like, I think it's Mariota and Herbert, and I guess maybe... I don't know, Fouts didn't really accomplish as much here, but just in terms of his legacy overall, like, that's kind of the top group. Like, Nick's can put himself in that next... He can tier. put himself in that next tier with the guys I just talked about, like Darren Thomas and Keeley Smith. Where's Joey fit? I always have a hard time with him, because I think they marketed him so well, but if you go back and kind of look at the numbers, I know that's probably unfair. It's not quite what you think it would be. Um, but regardless, like Bo can put himself up in that next, the next area. So, what was his answer? By the way, we talked about this a lot. What did he say about legacy? Oh, uh,
1: I mean, Bo said like he obviously cares about that, but um, he says I've got a long ways to go to get there, to be in the in the names of all the great quarterbacks at Oregon. But he said to just even be considered in that discussion is a pretty big honor, and I think I think I think it's possible. I think it's yeah. there. Oh yeah. And, I mean, and if we're talking, like, individual goals, like, he didn't come out and say, like, I want to be known as the best quarterback to ever come from Oregon. But, like, I think that could be, you know, a goal that he could attain is to, does he enter that that top echelon of Oregon quarterbacks in the last 25, 30 years? I think that's possible. He's not going to be, like you said, no one's going to surpass Marcus. I don't think he has the ability to surpass Justin. He needed to have gotten to the playoff or gotten to the Rose Bowl last year they came back and done it again the longevity
0: and the Eugene connection the fact that he's I think going to be probably the best athlete to come out of this school bar none from a sports perspective with the way he's playing professionally probably hard to match but you're right I think it's on the table that he's that, that next guy, and and again, if we're projecting, and like I am, that they're gonna, he's gonna win the, or that the Ducks are gonna win the conference, and you have them playing in the game, that means he's gonna have a fantastic year. Like if we're Oregon to get there, that 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 is a necessity. So,
1: um, is there anything else with Bo? Um, he talked a little bit about like improving on his pre-snap stuff, um, but he said like I asked him like you were so good last season like. Tied the conference record for completion percentage. Uh, you, th- you counted for 44 total touchdowns. Like, you were really good. You were elite. And like, what do you look at that last season and say like, I need to get better at X, Y, and Z? I asked that to Dan too, he's like, Well, I'm not giving you guys the secrets, mm-hmm. you know, for where Dan, you know, for where, where Bo's weaknesses are and, and where to improve. Um, but Bo said consistency. And making sure his – and I think what he was meaning was is I want to have – he was really good all year, but there were parts of the year where he was, like, even better. Like, Mm -hmm. he had a couple stretches where it was like, holy crap, this is, like, elite of the elite level play at at quarterback. And I think that's – if I'm just trying to read into his answer, I think that's what he's talking about is raising the level – of play for his what his consistent football is going from consistently being a really good quarterback to like consistently being a a top three quarterback in the entire country Instead of being a top ten quarterback, that's how I interpret. I think it. that's probably the
0: right read. I had two other things on Bo. We mentioned the babysitting thing. It's probably it's like kind of the fun story from the day 100%. Dan introduced it, but just to talk on it for a second, it sounds like Bo's been babysitting some of Dan's kids. I asked actually Bo, and it sounds like he's been babysitting other coaches' kids too. <laughs> so he and his wife Izzy, um, he said, and I mean that's kind of cool. I mean I thought the probably the funniest line of the day was was Dan was asked about. Um, how much he's – what's what's Bo's hourly rate for babysitting? He says he does it out of the goodness of his heart. But what was the exact verbiage on that? He said something like, um, uh, but, I, but I hear he can pull the the, the, top, top dollar. the top dollar now, which is a reference to NIL, which for those who haven't – well, we've heard those numbers are pretty significant. Um, so uh, that that was kind of notable. And then the, the other one, um, and this is probably smaller, but uh, I did ask Bo about um, – the situation at center and losing Alex and, and replacing that. And his comment I thought was like kind of interesting. He said, obviously, we um, we have an idea of who we think it's going to be, but you never know. At the end of the day, somebody is going to do it. Somebody is going to do it really well. I'm just excited to be on a team with so many great players. I think he's talking about Jackson. Yeah. You know, I, I, not that that's like breaking news, but um, it kind of confirms again what we had seen in spring and thought, which is that. JPJ is, 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 is probably going to be the guy there, and um, and, and I, I still have a lot of optimism um, for, for what that will look like. Bossa? Yeah, I don't know. We talked about some of it. I'm trying to think if there's much else. There's a couple things we're going to write about, so I don't know if we want to sure. share too much.
1: I, I just think this is a guy that he's not like – as goofy or as like air quote marketable, right? As the predecessors of his position, um, most notably Noah Sewell, um, Justin Flo would have been if he was a little better player. Yes, but he's not. Yeah, Boss is the better player by far. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I think though, fans could, if they take the time to listen to what he says, and because he's going to speak a lot this season, he did previously too, but. Even more now, um, I think he could be one of the guys that just fans just really appreciate and like. He just feels like an old school blue collar. Like I'm not gonna say anything rah-rahish, but I am gonna like be honest and you know I'm not gonna say anything that's gonna be controversial, but you know I'm gonna be blunt with some stuff and you know like very polite, very you know sincere with what he says and. You know, I, I just think he's going to be someone that if you take the time to watch the interviews, to listen to what, to read the, the stuff that players say, he could be someone that fans could like.
0: I think he's similar to Bennett Williams. Yes. In terms of, like, I think Bennett maybe was a little bit more playful and had maybe a little bit more humor. And again, maybe maybe Jeff will show more of that. But you're right. I think he, and, and that's the reason he's here. Like I guess like I, I, I asked Dan, like, why was he the choice? And it's because I think he, like I said, he, he's um he's a good communicator yep. first off which is important he's a good player um I know at the PFF grade people will will want to reference that and I I will raise my hand and say I've been the one who probably pushed that more than anybody else and I think it's an important note to at least examine the player that he probably didn't play his best last year but I think we both have optimism I still picked him I think to finish you know tops on the team in tackles this year um I still think there's a lot of upside there especially now that he's put on close to 20 pounds like I think that I think that was a big part of last year for me was like I just, I think, and, and, and you know it started with the very first game when he got stiff-armed by Darnell Washington. Yeah. And just, and just absolutely kind of run over, and you're kind of like, that doesn't look great. And there are other issues throughout the year. I still think he will be a good player, and and I'm, to your point, like, I, I do think he's going to be kind of the new Bennett Williams. Where he's kind of the spokesman of the defense. That's why he's the one who represented the team down here. Kind of weird Bennett wasn't here last year, by the way. That, I know DJ Johnson was the one who. Yeah, re- that
1: was a weird one.
0: And we loved DJ. We had, we had great we had great conversations about DJ and, and, and uh, breeding pitbulls. Yes,
1: but Bennett should have been there.
0: Then it was kind of became the guy as the year went on.
1: So. I thought you got a great. I don't want to give away the answer to this. Okay, but you got a great answer. Dan really opened up about why Dan picked uh, Bossa to be here, yeah, which was pretty good.
0: Do you have the quote? Because my I, I've only got my internet I've only got the uh, the quotes from the players. If you give me a second. Okay, I can try to filibuster here. Um, Jeff said his uh, his go-to meal to make would be uh, shrimp Alfredo. Yes, quite interesting. Big big chef guy, he said. He's becoming a chef. He, or not becoming a chef. He's, learning, he's teaching himself how to cook better, which has been good for his nutrition, he said. so.
1: Okay, so he said, speaking with Jeff earlier, he talked about how it was a big honor to be here. Why was he the right choice? That was your question. Uh, Dan said, yeah, Jeff is just a great example of a guy that's put in the hard work. He's made a position change early on. in college now begun through the process of changing himself, his body, really became a student of the game. He's a guy that lives by example. Um, There's more to that, you know, to that quote that he gave. But I think he's, like, look, there's players that coaches dream of, like, we need to copy this carbon copy this guy and right. from a, from a, how he handles himself, and defensively, that's probably one of the guys that they say is Jeff Jeff Bosso just carbon copy his persona, his approach to everything.
0: Yeah, and I was thinking today about like who because Bo's obviously when you have a quarterback like this, he's going to be the rep. I think seven of the schools had quarterbacks represented, with is yeah, a lot. Which was impre- I mean, which speaks to the the league and its quarterback talent. But like, if it wasn't Jeff, who would it be? It would probably be like Brandon Dorliss. And I think Dorless is probably a little more f- fun to talk to, right. but I think it's more likely that Bossa, you know, conveys the proper. Me- I mean, not that Dorless is going to get totally out of line, but between the two of them, it's more likely he's the one that maybe says something that Dan's like, eh, "Maybe, eh, maybe we shouldn't that. have brought him here." <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, and, and again, we'll have more content um, from our, our time with Jeff that I think fans will, will like reading um, throughout this week.
1: All right, that's going to do it for us here on the Odds and Audibles podcast. We really appreciate you guys listening to the show. Get ready. Football season is quickly approaching. The frequency of these podcasts will be going up relatively soon. But until then, you've been listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Talk to you folks. New CBS Monday. NCIS is back.